We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey yo, what's up everybody? It's me, Joe Pizapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host. It's Monday. We're coming off a huge weekend for tight ends. And of course, perhaps the greatest revenge narrative in the history of the NFL, the Robbie Gould revenge game. I know, I know, it was something to behold, but uh, also a Packer win, which means my co-host today is still alive, technically, in the standings. Joe Bartle, how the hell are you, my friend? And, We're doing all right. Uh, doing all right. Here's my question for you, Joe. Uh, uh, the Robbie Gould revenge narrative, was that not stunning? Yes. Uh, you know, it was so stunning that the fact that I didn't know it was something that was there uh, until you just pointed out now, so thank you. I tried <laughs> to watch as little of that 49er Bears game as I possibly could, so I did not catch the narrative uh, that you so pointed out for us, so thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's, it's everyone has got these revenge games and all this stuff, but few times can somebody really go in there. In fact, I want to say Robbie Gould is the Bears' all-time leading scorer. So oh, he has to be. Goodness <laughs> Gould definitely has to be. Yeah, so there you go. So there's a perfect example of, you know, a guy going in there and, you know, sticking him and giving him the business, and that's what you want to see. And uh, it, was a, it was a fun Sunday. You had some uh, competitive games there, some not-so-competitive ones. And as we were talking about, I think during the week, uh, you know, I kept saying, you know, I'm waiting for the Eagles to go in there to Seattle to prove to me that they are ready to take that mantle as the favorite. And uh, they are who I thought they were. <laughs> oh, stop it. No, they, they are not that bad. You're right. I have been high on the Eagles since, well, really it feels like after they won against the Panthers, you were looking for that quality win, and that certainly didn't happen. But I wonder, I, I have a, a, a friend that's, you know, uh, relatively close to me, and we talk a lot about the Eagles. And he mentioned right away in that first quarter that Carson Wentz got whacked pretty hard. I couldn't tell you which Seahawks player was, but he thought that Wentz actually looked like he was either concussed or something was bothering him throughout the game. And if you kind of watch, other than that ridiculous throw where he was literally falling down, he was able to chuck it 50 yards. 
Wentz just felt a little off. And I don't really feel like the Seahawks defense should have been doing that to me. I felt like it might have been an injury or something like that. So I'll give Wentz the benefit of the doubt. I think that man has played a hell of a year so far. And to me, it just looked like something was off with him, whether it be injury or else. Well, 100%. He's been terrific this year. And I'm not going to hammer on Carson Wentz. I'm, I'm actually a fan. I, I am. But, you know, these teams that, you know, have a great record beaten up. I don't want to say paper tiger, but – I don't think they're as complete of a team as some other people think that they might be. And, and this was good. I think in a lot of ways, you know, whether you think it's an injury that happened there, whether you think it's, you know, maybe the stage, whatever it is, I think it was good that it happens to them now. And they kind of get a little, you know, a little gut check before they head into the playoffs. And let's talk about the passing leaders. And I'll tell you what, if you had the Kansas City Chiefs stack, you were doing pretty well. Alex Smith left for dead. Alex Smith just 1.5% owned in the million dollar contest and the Sunday million dude let me tell you uh how about 37.64 points for Alex Smith <laughs> I I don't know if I would have ever been able to project that given what we saw the last couple of weeks but when we heard I think it was really Sunday morning that they were switching off, off offensive coordinators that Andy Reid was giving up the playbook to me that screamed something's going to be good it's either going to be really bad or really good and to me I was leaning towards the really good I didn't roll with my gut there I didn't play Alex Smith but it I wonder if this is not a trend we're going to see for the rest of the season I don't think he's going to be throwing four touchdowns but it was great to see Tyree Kill involved it was great to see them moving around Travis Kelsey more than just those little weird shovel passes that always seem to end up working out well despite the fact they run them four times a game I don't know I've, I feel better about Alex Smith and that Chiefs offense besides for Kareem Hunt than I did you know the last couple of weeks for certain yeah, uh, and you know what? That was uh, a flag there that a lot of us should have paid more attention to as a play calling. So uh, good job by you there on that one. Uh, I wish all of us had you know paid more attention to it because one point five percent that was the difference maker. Really, you know, the savings you got and the ownership there was terrific. Uh, also, crossing the three hundred passing threshold was Tom Savage of all people. Uh, just one <laughs> touchdown for him. Carson Wentz did as well. Philip Rivers was very chalky. He had three forty four. Just one touchdown. I think you'd like, you know, a second or third touchdown that would have been nice return for that 8K value, but it wasn't terrible. They got Josh McCown had himself a good day because of the two rushing touchdowns. That's really what it was about. Josh McCown continues to play pretty well, and the Jets continue to be a tough out. And then they came out with another W here against Kansas City. And, you know, Kansas City's got a host of problems, but still, you know, maybe it's time we sit here week 13 and say, Josh McCown, you've had a hell of a year pulling this Jets team together. Yeah, absolutely. He kind of feels like Case Keenum in that sense where you don't want to rely on him. At least I didn't. I know we've had discussions about that before. I don't feel comfortable relying on Case Keenum, but they continue to put up these numbers week in and week out where you're like, oh, you know, but for, for a contrarian play at the very least, they don't end up being that bad. I wonder now the Chiefs face the Raiders next week. Is this a Derek Carr kind of game where you feel confident using him? Given what we saw with, we saw with Josh McCown, that's that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. Is it so much the Chiefs' defense being porous, or is it Josh McCown doing Josh McCown stuff? Yeah, that's that's true. There, Russell Wilson had three touchdowns, nine uh, percent owned in the million dollar contest. Uh, the three touchdowns, what you want, he only had thirty yards rushing, but still, uh, every little bit helps. Every little point helps. So that's a good spot. Blake Bortles also had himself a good game as well, which was predictable. But I think a lot of people still kind of scared off. But I think it just goes to show you how bad the Colts are. Uh, in terms of disappointments, uh, you know, for me, I'm trying to think out there. The, it wasn't anybody that really grossly disappointed me. I, I guess the disappointment on the board, but I wasn't on him this week, was Tom Brady. No touchdown passes on the day. Uh, all the te- uh, touchdowns came via rush. 
and uh, you know just 258. So I guess Brady was kind of the big letdown. Anybody in the passing game let you down this week? So I had I was high on Jameis Winston and Brett Hundley. I think I set four or five lineups and I I split the two there. And Brett Hundley again for whatever the reason at Lambeau Field he very much struggles to put up the passing numbers. You're going to get some statistics based off him running the ball. It was encouraging for me to see Mike McCarthy finally bust out the read option play and let Brett Hundley actually run with it on those kind of plays. But still, he only had 8.96, and he had a 6,400 price. I don't feel great about him using or using him against when they're at Lambeau. It's a weird situation. I don't really know what it is. If any of the week Brett Hundley was supposed to go off, it was going to be against the Buccaneers' defense, which has struggled all year. That was a bit of a disappointment to me, even given his low price tag. All right, let's move on to the running backs here. And, uh, you know, let's start with Kenyon Drake because what we saw at Drake was the big long run, and that's what he's able to do, and that's why you try to get him the ball 20 times and 23 attempts. He had 120 rushing yards and, you know, big play opportunities, and that's what you want. He had a touchdown. Uh, Jamal Williams, your guy, 21 carries for 113 with a touchdown. There were some questions about how Aaron Jones would peek into that uh, potential volume and turns out, you know, towards the end of the game in overtime, that's where it kind of reared its ugly head. But I think regardless, you're happy with the return on investment. What did you see out of Jamal Williams going forward? Uh, you think this is another spot where you're still concerned or you think Williams is really the lead guy now? I'm going to give you a bit of a history of the Packers, Ooh. at least for the 2000s. I love history stuff. I yes, love it. Yes, Let's do history it. time, of course. And, you, hey. and I'm going to date myself by talking about some of these guys. Packer fans will know and love that our boy – Ryan Grant, I always called him the two yards in a cloud of dust running back because literally they just give him a dive play. He would get two yards and that's it. There was no drive. There was no push. But somehow he'd end up with 25 carries and close to 100 yards because that's literally all he did. We also had a guy like Sam Congato, I think for one year. Oh, I remember Sam Congato. Yes, yes. And oh, I, yeah. I mean, that was a little bit before the DFS rise, but he would have been a great DFS player where you felt good using him that one year. Jamal Williams is not that kind of player. I don't really think Aaron Jones is either. I think both are interesting, unique talents, and they meld well together. Meld, I'm not even sure that's a word, but they, they combine It's a well word. Together. It's a word. All right, perfect. Yes. I'm going well on this Monday morning. I really think that Jamal Williams, I wasn't high in him earlier this year. I thought that Aaron Jones got a little bit more explosiveness, and Devontae Mays brought the power. Williams just keeps his legs churning, and he's able to get yards. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the quickness of both those other two guys I mentioned. But there's something about his running style that really works well with that offense line with the Packers. I don't know if he gets 20-plus carries the rest of the season. I really think the Packers want to get Aaron Jones more involved, and I think that Aaron Jones might be the better of the receiving end of those running backs. But still, you know, at under 6K, which I expect he's going to be throughout the season, especially with Jones now healthy, He's not a bad uh, investment because I think he's going to get the majority of the goal line touches. And believe it or not, the Packers' offense is going to be in the red zone, I think, given their couple of matchups in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't okay about Williams. Yeah, I, I don't blame you there. Uh, let's continue to go down this road, too, of some of the running backs that really return on investment. I don't think anybody saw Peyton Barber's 102 yards coming. I certainly didn't. Oh, really? Really? You didn't see that? No. No, oh. I didn't. I mean, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I've let us down. I just, you know, Peyton Barber. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to go back to the well once again on the Patriots. 15 for 92 for Deion Lewis. Rex Burkhead, two touchdowns, 12 for 78. Kids, you got to start paying attention to Rex Burkhead. Alex Collins had two touchdowns. But in terms of all-purpose backs, let's talk about Alvin Kamara, a 27-point day. Five catches for 66. Two rushing touchdowns on 60 yards rushing. I mean, a huge day from him. Todd Gurley, a pretty good all-purpose day, too. 18 for him. 
I mean, really, uh, Alvin Kamara at this point, Joe, I, I started every lineup with Alvin Kamara this week, and I think that's going to just probably be my MO the rest of the year. I, I don't want to, you know, overshadow Kamara, but I just want to go back to the Peyton Barber real quick. Oh, sure. I, to me, the Packers' defense isn't that good, and their, their numbers have kind of been buoyed a little bit by some worse running backs they played on the schedule. I feel confident using any running back or any quarterback against them every given week. So – Barber was one of those guys that was a pretty good value for what I knew he was going to be doing against that defense. Now, I didn't think they'd be as bad as what they did. So this is a trend moving forward. Isaiah Crowell, Duke Johnson, that's the next week. I feel good about using them. Let's go back to Kamara, though. We have the Monday-Thursday match, and I think we'll get to it a little bit. But I wonder if both Kamara and Ingram aren't a viable option. Because to me, they're both integral parts of that offense, much more so than Drew Brees is. I feel good about using them, you know, certainly in season-long leagues, but really in daily. I think that they – are about as automatic as you can get when it comes to daily fantasy, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's you know, Kamara is a guy that I didn't I didn't know how that use was going to work out. It's very difficult, I think, entering the season to understand quite. You know, there was optimism that he could fill that old Sproles kind of role in the offense, but I mean, this is like Sproles on on you know some sort of superhero comic <laughs> book kind of. True. You know, he walked into you know some sort of training room and got struck by lightning, and next thing you know, I mean, Alvin Kamara has just been he's been fantastic, and it, and it helps to have a quarterback like Drew Brees who understands you know how to run that offense, and and part of his you know he's not going to get the credit for Kamara <laughs> that I think Brees should because you know his presence allows for a guy like Kamara to do what he's been doing lately. So I, I think it's really the best case scenario. And it's why I think uh, that team is, you know, been able to play as well as they have. And this was a big win for them uh, this weekend against Carolina in division, continuing on with the wide receivers here. Uh, obviously Joe, we talked on the podcast on Friday, John and I were talking about Marquise Lee in a bounce back game and how he should be a guy you should absolutely have in your lineups. Well, he bounced back. The matchup was great. The, uh, the price was right, so that's what you wanted from him. But Tyreek Hill really was the story of the day. Six catches for 185 yards. My goodness, just 5% owned in the Millionaire Maker, uh, 185. I mean, look, this is another guy. When you talk about guys who have game-breaking ability, I don't understand why teams don't work harder to get them the ball. And it's funny because when you think about the first month of the season for the Chiefs, they were running some gimmick plays for Tyreek Hill. They were doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And it was working. And then it seems like everything just kind of stopped and got really dull and predictable. And all of a sudden, you know, it made the Chiefs a dull boy. And next thing you know, they're, they're falling into the standings. But Tyreek Hill, I mean, is he always forever just your tournament play kind of guy? And, you know, at a certain point, when do the Chiefs just really focus on getting him the ball more? Well, I, I agree with you. I think he's so explosive in the sense that it, it's confusing to me why they don't try to make de- designated plays for him. But you talked about earlier that – maybe that's where they struggled. It felt like they were doing so many gimmicky things that almost became, I don't want to say obvious, but you could kind of predict what gimmicky play they were going to do next for which player, whether it be Kelsey or Hill. And that's where I think they ran into problems. This time they just simply used his athleticism and used him as a a speed receiver. He was in the middle of the field. He was doing screen plays. He was getting a few carries too. I love to see this. And to me, it felt, this is good. Again, switching the coordinators, Andy Reid's now not calling the plays anymore. I wonder if Tyreek Hill isn't just a tournament play. I like him again as a tournament play almost every week. He's one of those guys that you know could go off, just will he. Against the Raiders next week, I wonder if he's not also a double-up kind of play or a cash game lineup. I feel not like he's going to get 185 yards and two touchdowns again, but certainly go over 100 yards. I feel like that's almost a given against that Raiders secondary. 
Yeah, and maybe the play calling is part of it too. Jermaine Curse having a good day also. Nine for 157. That's It's funny, there's a guy that early in the season, DFS-wise, was on our radars and kind of fell off with all the Robbie Anderson goodness, who was also good in this game, also went over 100 yards. No touchdowns for either. Rob Gronkowski had a great day. Nine catches for 147, plus a flying elbow from the top rope, which you got to love. And ironically, he was like the only tight end that didn't score a touchdown. We're talking about Kelsey had two. Laney Walker had one, Braid had a couple, and Braid's the one that I want to highlight too because I don't think any of us paid attention to that enough either of the return of Winston and how that automatically made Cameron Braid viable again. We did, we failed there. We did not give it enough credence on Friday. I'm sorry, everybody. We really should have. We should have touched on that more. But uh, now that Winston's back, is it safe to say that Braid's back too? I think so. That's for certain. But I will, I will give us credit in the sense that the Packers were one of the better defenses when it came to the tight end spot. I understand Winston coming back means Braid's just an automatic play when it comes near the red zone. But I, I would have – I mean, there were so many other good matchups as far as tight ends go, Hunter Henry and Jared Cook being at least two of them I thought were good matchups. I'm assuming we'll get to that at some point. Um, I wouldn't have won the Braid route if he wanted to go lower, but I do feel confident using him for the rest of the season. Even a guy like O.J. Howard, especially since the Bucks are out of things, why wouldn't they see what they have as far as their tight end goes? I don't think Braid's their long-term answer. And I think that getting O.J. Howard more involved in that offense would probably be good given their season's kind of done with already. So just two names. I think both those guys are going to see a lot more looks as the season progresses for the Buccaneers. All right. In terms of disappointments, Joe, I mean, you know, he's always – even in disappointment, he's still pretty good. But DeAndre Hopkins, you know, the 8 for 80, he had the touchdown recall. That was kind of a bummer. Devontae Adams was kind of a, another one where he had been so consistent and then just the 4 for 42 – so, you know, those were the two guys that disappointed me. Keenan Allen did return value again. I, I, was, I was a little concerned. You know, originally I had lineups with Keenan Allen. Then I started to worry. I was like, wow, it's been, you know, he had zero touchdowns. And all of a sudden he's on this touchdown roll. But, look, I think you can finally buy into. And, and the Chargers only scored 19 points. So I was kind of, the, the feeling was right. But Keenan Allen was able to still be productive. Ten catches for 105 and a touchdown. And the touchdowns keep coming for Keenan Allen. So is he now... Uh, another one of these must-start lineup-building kind of guys because of the volume he gets on a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, the volume is insane. We're talking DeAndre Hopkins type of level. I think I was writing the note last night that uh, Allen has 44 targets over the last three weeks. The next closest is Hunter Henry with 19. And Philip Rivers has thrown at least 30 passes in every game but one this season. He has more 40-plus attempt games than th- – uh, sorry, than 20-plus than attempt games. So he's – He's clearly using the ball and he's throwing the ball quite a bit. And Allen is one of his favorite targets. The guy is just getting out of the breaks so good. He's not the fastest, but what he does route running wise, he's literally always open. There's only a handful of people that you can say that about. Antonio Brown comes to mind right away when we're talking about guys that have just expert route running abilities. Allen is one of those people that's always going to be open, in my opinion. And at least in lineups where, or in games where we're getting at least a half point PPR or a full point PPR. Allen's guy I'm using week in and week out. But I will talk about disappointment, though. Mike Evans, I thought against the Packers of all teams, they were going to struggle, but he only had 4.3 Fanduel points. Yeah. At 7,500, that was, to me, one of the bigger disappointments overall, not just at receivers, but overall. I thought for sure he was going to get double the, his investment. That was that was not the case at all. It wasn't. And I'll tell you what, Joe, I think there was an opportunity there with Evans where I even thought about it for a little bit on Sunday, making up some other lineups. I was like, you know, I wonder with Winston back if Evans all of a sudden is that guy that flies under the radar. But I didn't think enough about Bray, and luckily I stay away from it altogether. So, you know, I would have liked to have Bray, but still, you know, it, it is what it is at a certain point. And, you know, you take what you get and you kind of move on. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, this is why we play the games. This is why it's fun. But, 
you know, if you go through there, it was really about the Chiefs this week. If you had Tyreek Hill, uh, and if you had that stack of Smith, Hill, Kelsey, you done good. And uh, real quick on defenses, you know, we talked about the Patriots defense. They were good. Again, the turnovers keep coming. The 13 points is a solid return on investment for 4,600. But it was the Dolphins defense that really, I mean, holy cow, Trevor Simeon, thank you. Thank you, Trevor Simeon, says the Miami D, 28 <laughs> points. Mod on. Hey, that's a spicy meatball. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, Trevor Simeon, I mean, when everyone was looking for Geno Smith to be terrible, and he was, but still, I mean, Trevor Simeon's like, hey, wait, you think he's bad? Hold my beer. Yeah, I mean, and then the Rams defense was pretty good, and I thought the Chargers against the Browns, that was an automatic play, and that really didn't end up being a fruitful endeavor until the very end when Joey Bosa had a strip sack and they recovered the fumble, and then there was an interception at the end too. But the Dolphins' defense, that that one came out of nowhere to me. I know they've been okay. I didn't think Simeon was that bad. And now I wonder if that's not a start going forward. We always look at who's, who are the Browns playing. Well, who are the Broncos playing might be a better thing because they couldn't use – I think Demarius Demarius Thomas is a talented guy. I think Emmanuel Sanders is a talented guy. But they were non-existent, and it's felt like they've been non-existent for most of the season. All right, let's turn the page and start looking to the Monday-Thursday slate here. Uh, We've got New Orleans and Atlanta, a great game uh, for Thursday night football, which you don't always get, so that's going to have a lot of eyes on it. And, of course, you got the Monday night contest with Big Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against Cincinnati. Now, really, the big deal in this game is that Antonio Brown toe. Uh, listed as questionable. Um, he's going to go out and give it a go in the warm-ups and, you know, probably get a game-time decision. So, I mean, that's one of those spots where if you're willing to wait and you're paying attention all the way up until, you know, the lineups lock there in that game that you can, you know, go ahead and use Brown. But let's start at the quarterbacks first. Roethlisberger on the road. Um, let's see, how do I put this? Sucks. Uh, Andy Dalton at home is Andy Dalton. Then you got Drew Brees. They got right. You got Brees and, and Matt Ryan. So I, I, you've been better at me than me in the last couple of weeks with these. So I'm going to defer to you where you go quarterback wise Monday, Thursday, because I've been struggling Monday, Thursday slate. Joe Bartle has been killing it. So tell me, <laughs> where do you go next? You know, you're setting me up for me to really struggle here. This is no, no, very- no, 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 no. See, see, no, it's, it's about confidence. You can't think oh, like that. Oh, okay. we gotta, you know, scared money don't make money, Joe. So you got to go oh, out no. there and, and crush it. And, and you've been crushing it. So yeah, go, go back and crush it some more. All right. So this is one of the more unique slates in the sense that I feel like all four teams have some viability. And there's, there's a lot of different ways you could set your lineup. You could go heavy at running back. You could go heavy at receiver even that makes me wonder if I don't want to pay down a quarterback, but there's three guys that are over 7,500 with Roethlisberger sitting at 7,700. I'm in, I'm a little intrigued by Andy Dalton at 6,600. And I know I shouldn't. I'm telling myself I'm an intelligent football fan. I know that he struggles in primetime matchups and I know he struggles against the Steelers. And Oh, by the way, the Steelers secondary has actually been pretty good this season. Why? Oh, why am I looking at a 6,600 price tag at Andy Dalton and thinking that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm looking at Matt Ryan, 82, Drew Brees at 8,000. Those are both kind of higher-priced guys I don't feel great about. And Roethlisberger on the road, I mean, I know he's done well this season, but that's been a consistent thing not just this year, but for the last two or three years that you can use as fantasy relevance. Don't use Roethlisberger on the road. So I'm kind uh, of leaning towards Dalton at 6,600. I, I, I'm scared to say I, I kind of agree with you because – if you are in the belief, and this is really this holds true, especially if Antonio Brown is out, 
You know, people want to elevate guys like Eli Rogers. They want to elevate Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, well, guess what? Juju's been good because Antonio Brown's on the field too. Single coverage helps everybody a whole lot. You know, and Antonio Brown is such a giant focal point. I kind of go with you where I'm paying up for Kamara. I'm paying up for Bell. I'd rather go heavy running back here in both of those kind of situations and pay down for quarterback. I, I, I think that's absolutely the way, way to go, especially because there's no – I don't see any definitive – tight end advantage here because you're dealing with guys with Croft you're dealing with Cooper Jesse James is kind of you know land of misfit toys uh trying right. to figure <laughs> is there such a thing as the land of misfit tight ends <laughs> oh yeah yeah absolutely any Packers game that's that's right there <laughs> Jared Cook is the president of that uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but you bring up a good point I think that you almost I mean you're when you're looking at this you're almost punting on tight end just on a given like there's no reason to me why I want to pay 57 55 or 54 those are our top three tight ends we're looking at the running back, wide receiver, and quarterback spot where there's viable options everywhere. I think that that's almost before you set anything else, you're just picking which tight end you want to throw a gamble on, and then you're going with your lineup in every other direction to me. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with that at all, man. I just think that's the way to go. Um, on the running back side, like because I'm paying up, I know Mixon's been uh, better of late. I know Ingram's viable. I just want to pay for the top two, and I don't want to overthink it. That's just the way I want to go. Uh, would you do different? Would you be looking for Freeman and Coleman? Or are you in tournaments thinking, all right, Bell and Kamara are going to be too highly owned? Or can you cash in tournaments without Bell and Kamara? Because we're talking about two guys who are in that elite level fantasy productivity right now. And I'm just kind of curious, without the big quarterback where you're looking for maybe a 30-point day from them, uh, if you don't have one or both of those running backs, it might be tough at a tournament. I think especially if Antonio Brown is out, you want to have Le'Veon Bell in there. Yeah. To me, that's that's about as automatic as it gets. I know he's at 8700 It's a high price tag for me to look at too, but at the same time, you got to put him in there. If Bell and then the Steelers weren't on the schedule, I think Kamara is close to an 88, 9000 type guy. So I feel like we're getting a bit of savings at the 83 price tag that he's at currently. But those Thursday night games are just a little bit weird. I don't know. I I wonder if it wouldn't make more sense to get a guy like Devonta Freeman in there at 6,500. You're getting so much savings on him as you were earlier in the year. And I really think Freeman is about as good of a talent as we have at 6,500 that we've talked about all season. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I, I am a little, I think Bell has to be your automatic play, but I'm not going to get upset at anybody if they want to go with the Joe Mixon route or the Devonta Freeman route. I'm staying away from Coleman. I'm staying away from Bernard. I think I'm staying away from Ingram, although I, I, probably shouldn't either he's getting so much workload too it's just like well if you're doing the pieces of the puzzle i think you have one or two ways you either pay up and get kamara and bell and then you have smith schuster in your lineup with michael thomas and aj green you know that kind of thing where you're just taking the best of the best and going at it because they are elite players or you switch it around and you put Devonte freeman and julio jones together in a lineup and you do the same thing. You keep Le'Veon Bell, you keep A.J. Green, you keep Michael Thomas, which I think probably has a higher floor. And, you know, when you think about it, too, it, when you take Roethlisberger on the road out of the equation, you just focus on Bell in that offense then, then maybe that's probably the right way to go because Smith-Schuster, you know, does have, I don't want to say negative potential, but let me get a potential where he is not quite living up to your expectations if Brown – now, if Brown plays, this changes a lot. Um, before we get, you know, as we get closer to this game. But, you know, right now this is the best we can do, is the best we can give you. So, to me, I think it's one of the two. And, and now that we're talking it out, I think I prefer the Devonta Freeman and getting Julio together and almost going with a stack there with the two of them. 
I agree. I, I think it has to be Bell. I, I'm going to put him in my lineup right away, even with Brown out. I just think that Bell yeah. – it feels like one of those. Even if he's in, he's limited, Joe. Right. 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 I mean, it just it feels like Bell's going to be utilized more, especially as the season progresses. The Steelers historically have done best as a team when Bell has been their focal point, much more than Brown, much more than Roethlisberger. Bell is kind of a catalyst for the team's success, and I wonder if it's not one of those games where you get a little bit more confidence. And I'm not that he doesn't have confidence, certainly, but you get you know this is one of those games where he gets 25 carries, another five, six receptions, and gets over 100 total yards and a touchdown. To me, that feels like you, you have to have him in your lineup regardless if Brown is out there or not. And then you figure it out what you want to do with your receiver spot, what you want to do at the bottom tier of the running back. And I think Freeman's the way, if you're going to go with a value, quote-unquote value, 6,500 for Freeman, that's, that's screaming to me right now, value. Yeah, uh, I would concur. All right. Uh, over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus – a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes. With your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Void where prohibited. All right, let's do some hot takes on the slate coming up next week uh, or this week, really, because here we are already. My goodness, time's flying. Fantasy Week 14. When's <laughs> it going to be a top of the board? 86. Uh, let's do hot take on Alex Smith right under him. All of a sudden, 8,200. Alex Smith all over, way back there. He's at home. He's against Oakland. New play calling. Carryover appeal, or is he now priced out? He's the second-highest-priced quarterback uh, on the slate for at least Sunday. My hot take, he is certainly not priced out. I feel really good, especially against the Raiders, especially against different play calling here. Give me Alex Smith at 8,200. I, I feel pretty darn good about that. How about uh, Russell Wilson at 77 facing Jacksonville? Now, I don't know about this one, man. I, I got to say, you know, I, I get – pricing them down a little bit but my initial instinct on this one is yes please can I have some more because I know Jacksonville's good but they just you know went ugly on the Colts and they've had a couple games where they haven't been perfect Uh, I think 77 is a too big of a discount for Russell Wilson see I go the other way I'm not Ah. sure I don't want to do that that. I I think that offensive line is as bad as advertised and that's not a good thing to say when you're talking about the Seahawks that offensive line is as bad as advertised and that Jacksonville defensive line in particular is as good as advertised. I know Russell, Russell Wilson is magical, and he'll, he'll do some great things, and the Seahawks are probably going to win that game. But I'm not sure I want to go that route. I think it's going to be an ugly kind of – he maybe fumbles once, throws a turnover or two, and really the Seahawks just feast on how bad Blake Bortles is. That's the direction where I think they actually end up winning this game. We talk about game script-wise. They're not going to be able to run the ball, but I'm not sure they're going to really be able to pass the ball very much either. So – uh, there's 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 better ways. That's a tournament play, in my opinion. That's how I'd say it, tournament play. All right, hot take two. You got Keenan Allen, three straight games with at least a touchdown. He's at home against Washington. Are we still going there? And uh, if not, uh, are we fading down to Tyreek Hill, who's now creeped up to 7,800? If I'm using Alex Smith, I'm using Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to go the Keenan Allen route. Allen's obviously the second highest priced receiver on that Sunday slate at 8,400. I'm not going that direction. He will get over 100 receiving yards against the Redskins. And I'll say hot take here. He will not get a touchdown. He will not continue that streak. So help me out on the Keenan Allen trade. I would rather go DeAndre Hopkins at 86 than Allen at 84. That to me is easy money. All right. One more. I'm going to stick with your boys here. The Green Bay Packers defense is 5K against the Cleveland Browns. I know the Cleveland Browns struggle. Hey, and the Packers had 16 points on defense last week, but uh, you think this is a $5,000 investment people are going to make or anyone should? No, no one should do that. 
No one should do no that. Should I, you know, why I've couldn't watched, they tempt us at 45 or something? And yes, you go, well, maybe. That's an automatic if it's 45. So maybe I shouldn't be quibbling about a $500 difference. But when you look at this and you see the Packers are the fourth best defense in terms of Fanduel pricing, I'm like, come on. What, have you watched any games this season, the Packers this year? I recognize what they did, you know, a couple weeks back against the Steelers. That was okay. They played a lot better than we thought. And I know the Browns really aren't that good of a team. They're not this bad, though. Peyton Barber got over 100 rushing yards. And worse yet, I knew he was going to get over 100 rushing yards. I'm staying as far away from that price tag as possible. No way Packers see at 5K. All right, there you go. You can follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe P's at PS17. For everybody here at Royal Wire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy.